Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, your host. I started this podcast because I believe when we share our thoughts, our stories, and experiences, we help one another to create more meaningful lives. And I also think that an important part of life revolves around our search for meaningful connection. That seems to only happen when we get real about who we are and we authentically share that. So listen in, try to answer these questions yourself, and let's connect. Well, I'm continuing my work of exploring how all of us live our most fulfilling lives and what we do with and in our lives. I'm also in 2022 exploring how our relationships help us to do that. And in this episode, I get to interview my sister and my brother-in-law. I love the way they have very much aligned with their belief system in their life. They live life in accordance with their beliefs and their values. Not all of us can say that, and not all of us can say that to the extent that these two do. I also want to tell you that my sister is one of those people who is just, I have to say it, she's brilliant. And she has really accomplished beautifully so much of what she has set out to do in her life. You know, anything she's done from ice skating to horseback riding to academics to athletics, whatever it is, when she sets her mind to it, let me tell you, she's incredible. So help me to connect with these two amazing people, Melinda and Peter Buff. Here we go. So I'm thrilled to introduce you to my sister and brother-in-law, Melinda and Peter Buff. One of the many things about both of them is that they have experienced a myriad of interesting careers. Now they find themselves in early retirement in their dream home in the mountains. Welcome, Melinda and Peter. Um, And I do think it's really distinctive and interesting that you both have had such interesting and diverse careers. And I think I find it interesting because most people kind of just do something, whether it's working for them or it's not working for them, they just continue down the path regardless of how that's working for them. And the fact is you guys seem to switch direction and change according to how life is going. So can I ask you um, to kind of list some of your careers or some of your different jobs that you've had. So who wants to start? Peter, you want to start? Um, okay, sure. I'm not sure if it's a strength or a weakness uh, for me not staying in one career. Um, let's see. Uh, I tried to be a dancer and an actor for a while. 
that's what took us to New York. <clears throat> and then for a certified teacher, I taught Latin and English and US history um, and geography. Uh, <clears throat> and then um, fell in love with rock climbing, moved upstate and um, had a carpentry business. And then I went to nursing school, but really didn't like it. So I didn't do, I, I stopped doing that. Um, but just continued with uh, the exploration of the mind and the body connection, became a yoga teacher, um, personal trainer. Uh, and then that's, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and then everybody's lives changed. <clears throat> so me in a nutshell. I think that's incredible. Um, Malin, what about you? So where do you want me to start? Like when I was cleaning the houses when I was 11, you know, or Well, 12. that's kind of cool. So Melinda <laughs> started working early. Yes, <laughs> babysitting, working in a bakery. Sometimes I would take over somebody's newspaper route for them. And um, so it did a lot of things. And then in college, I had to take, you know, I had to work a myriad of jobs. I actually started cooking at one point because uh, one job I was at, um, at Penn's Landing, one of the people I worked with said, you know, if you get a restaurant job, they'll feed you and pay you. Um, so, uh, so I went and got a restaurant job at a restaurant in Philadelphia where they like to hire Penn students. And, um, and I actually, I really liked cooking. So I cooked for 10 years while I put myself through school. We managed an inn for a while. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> And I in, in Cape May. In Cape May, and I did a, I took a couple of uh, <laughs> cooking jobs there, like at some great restaurants, just um, to keep my hand in it. Moved back to Philly and finished my degree in and cooking. And then when we moved to New York City, I started temping because I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. Ended up at um, uh, a company called Donaldson Lufkin and Ginrette, a a um, broker dealer. And on the trading floor, and I so I worked in um, on Wall Street for ten years. I worked Swiss, and I worked Deutsche Bank. Then I burned out and quit, and I went back and got my MBA. And then I um, worked in economic development for six years, and then um, I went to work for a client as his director of HR, and. Then after, after working since the age of 11, I decided it was time to retire. We, we did the math and um, we don't have kids. So that makes it a lot easier and, and retired in, when I was 57. So it's not that early. Um, and um, so now, now I've, I, prior to pandemic did a lot of uh, volunteer work. I was on several boards, but since we've moved and since the pandemic, I've stop my volunteer work and my board work work so. i'm going to just say by the way it's in an, some of some of our wi-fi is a little sketchy so it sounded like you said you finished your degree in cooking and i know that your degree is not now, in cooking I finished, I finished my degree while i was so so i was i was cooking uh for, to, to pay for school to get your to get my and to PA. live and I got my uh, my undergraduate degree in international relations at the University of Pennsylvania. Perfect. I I knew that, but I just knew that it didn't. It's <laughs> it yeah. sounded like it was a cooking yeah. degree. Um. So would oh, and you know, for a time, I always remember that you worked for a publishing company as well. 
by the way. I just always thought that that was interesting. That was one of my tempting. Tempting was, I really enjoyed tempting because you you managed to stay above the fray. You like, you didn't really get involved in the politics, but you Mm -hmm. got to do interesting things. So I worked at a statistical company that did statistics. I worked at the Ford Foundation. I worked at Simon and Schuster. I I worked at JP Morgan. I did, it was kind of cool. Did a lot of fun stuff, but um. I decided that I needed a, a permanent job um, after Peter had a Peter got hit in Central Park by a speeding police right. van, and I decided well, we really needed some, uh, you know, health steady insurance. health insurance. So <clears throat> I took at that point I had been temping at um, at the company that hired me, and they offered me a job, and, and that was that. But Peter, when you were hit, I mean. Talk about something that just kind of shatters your life for a bit. How did that affect you? Did that affect you in any long-term kind of way? Did it affect the way you made decisions? Did it, how did that impact your life? <laughs> impact is a good word. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that uh, I broke my back, <clears throat> broke ribs, broke my leg. Uh, hurt my face um and it was a wake-up call i was i was back to school but i was just taking a couple classes because i was catering all the time that's what i did all the time to make a living in manhattan um and uh that made me go back to school on a more full-time basis also for it's interesting whenever you have an experience like that it does change you it changes you temporarily as you take um take a lot of things for granted in life until you have like a near-death experience or just a a traumatic experience that you can recover from you know if you don't recover from it that's a different story but um it uh makes you appreciate things there there was like a three-month period where i was a totally different person i was just i I saw the beauty and everything you know and then reality set in (laughs) and i was back to myself but it did uh, make me realize how temporary things are and that, that things can get taken away like that. So it, it affected me. Yeah, definitely. And luckily, I didn't don't really have any long term damage from that. I was very lucky physically. Um, but uh, yeah, that's how it affected me. Um. So do you have one career or one um, of those things that you've done, even something that you're like your yoga teaching or that's really been a learning experience that has really um, been maybe a standout or a favorite? Is there anything you look back and say, this is the career that kind of is the embodiment of what I love? I don't know. I think a little bit of everything that I've done is that. Another thing I didn't mention, I was a steeplejack for a little bit. So I worked on skyscrapers um, in Manhattan. And wow. there were aspects of that that were incredible, like being able to see 360 degrees, being on top, very top of the Chrysler building, looking around Manhattan and, and seeing everything. You know, um, you just don't get that kind of perspective. So there were aspects of that that were really enjoyable. Um, there were aspects of teaching that I really liked. I loved working with kids. It was the administrative part that, that drove me nuts. Um, uh, and the yoga 
yoga teaching was really wonderful too because that was another form of teaching and just watching people <clears throat> change, watching their their minds change and also their bodies change was very satisfying. Um, helping people, you know, it really comes down to to helping people and 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 using your mind, you know, using your mind as much as you can to help people. Okay, Evelyn. Um, you know, I, I also talk about that. I don't really like, I don't have, I have friends who have what they call vocations and they'll never retire because they love what they do. And there's nothing that what I did of any of my careers that stand out as like, that's my passion. That's what I really want to do. But I, well, there is a common thread through all of them is that a couple of things, I get things done, I accomplish things. I'm very task oriented, a, a type driven to accomplish. I like problem solving. So most of my jobs, um, you know, I, I had to problem solve. I, I learn quickly. I like diversity. So I ramp up fast. So it's, it's enabled me to, to do a lot of different things. And that's sort of the common theme. Um, that, that, I, that I've been throughout my career. What about, because you're both very passionate about, um, you know, social issues and you're both very literate as well. Do you have, you know, individually, I'm asking this question, um, any kind of thing that you think this is my purpose or this is my mission or this is my driver? Do you have something like that? I think it's just, <clears throat> it's very general. It's just to, um, to make some kind of a difference to move things in a positive direction. And that can be in, you know, unlimited ways. There are un unlimited avenues for that. Um, but it's definitely to, to help, to make things better. It's really difficult now for everybody because of the pandemic and, and you know, just having, a lot of these things require being social, you know? Yeah. like interacting with people, being, yes. being, being in the same room with people, not having a mask so you can see people's faces and hug them and talk to them and laugh. So all that is, makes it very challenging. You know, it's one thing to, to open your checkbook and write a check for a good cause, but it's another to actually be you know, involved. And I, my heart goes out to medical professionals and teachers right now. <clears throat> with what's going on, you know, these are people whose lives, their mission is to help people and look at what they're going through. Yeah. What about you, Malin? So I don't know. I, I try to be good. Um, I try to tread lightly on the earth. Uh, I mean, the one thing that I really love is nature and um, I'm very disheartened about how we're treating nature and, and, and the lack of, of a, a true united front to confront climate change and, and, and all the problems I see around me with nature. Um, so I, I don't I don't have that I don't have that drive anymore. I'm, I'm one of the I think one of the things that is a um, that it, it's kind of I'm still recovering from the burnout of of working 
so long and so hard. I had another friend who said, when, when you retire, say, just say no, like, don't, don't get, don't do anything. Don't volunteer. And of course I immediately volunteered and got on boards and, and now I'm sort of, the pandemic is forcing me into that. Don't say no. And just kind of think about things like, what do you want to do or be that, yeah. for the rest of your life? hundred percent. How would you say that you help each other? Because, you know, I think you have just clearly illustrated, you know, mission, which is to help the planet in some way. Um, and how would you say that you help each other as a couple with one another's mission? Do you kind of share the same philosophy? Do you operate as a couple in these endeavors? Do you operate as individuals? I think we do both. We operate together. We also operate uh, differently which I think is healthy. Um, we're also, we're, we're very different people. We, we share a lot of the same ideals um, and things we really care about. Like, you know, paramount is really nature. That's number one. Um, so we, we're lucky in a way because we agree pretty much 100% um, with the things that we want to affect change in. Um, but we have different ways of going about it. That seemed about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, yeah, I, you know, Peter is a much more active person than I am, physically active, um, and approaches problem solving differently from me. So it's a good, it's a good combination. Once, once we can agree to disagree, it's a really good combination. <laughs> So let's take it back. That just made me think about this. How did you two meet? You want me to tell us? Yeah. Okay. So um, I was cook. I was cooking at a restaurant uh, on Pence campus, La Terrasse, and um, there was this dessert that was up on the um, on the turnout. Uh, surface and it was at the end of, of lunch and I, I turned to the baker and I said is that up for grabs is that you, you know because normally they you'd have to buy the dessert because they were it was a high-end restaurant and she said no Peter Buff bought, bought it and then he walked in just as I was asking um, about it and he asked me if I wanted to share it oh my and then god the same oh, that's baker, story the same baker made the um, made our wedding cake oh that's oh. incredible Wedding cake was essentially that dessert. Yeah. <laughs> I loved your wedding cake. Um, what is it called? That dessert? Well, it was a mix. It was, a, of course, it was the French restaurant, so it was a gateau. Um, yeah. What did you... It was a dequoise. It was two different, it was a dequoise, and it, it was these, um, this gateau that was honey and nuts. Walnuts. And, and uh, super dark chocolate. Um, yeah, dark chocolate. But really thin. I like... can't remember its name dense and yeah. thin it wasn't you know big yeah. but you know super rich and really good and how long have you been together as a, as a couple do you know <laughs> since time began <laughs> close to 40 years and in, in 2024 it's going to be 40 crazy. years yeah isn't that crazy and <sighs> what do you like about each other <laughs> 
Are you trying to get us into a fight? <laughs> Listen, Peter, I've lived with Melinda. <laughs> Not as long as yeah, I've lived with her longer than you did. That's true, actually. That's very true. You've doubled. You've doubled how long I've lived with her. Peter keeps me honest. Peter is very, there's no subterfuge. Peter is, um, he's very present and, um, you know, he's, he's just, he is just there, you know, um, and he's funny and he's smart. He can be very kind. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice of you. <clears throat> yeah, I, well, Melinda's one of the most intelligent people I've ever known. Um, and she, I think it was her, her, you know, your family and her Catholic upbringing. She has a really strong, like a, a very strong moral compass, um, which is refreshing. It's also, it's something that, you know, kind of keeps me in check. Um, it frustrates the hell out of you. Sometimes. Yeah, it drives me crazy because <laughs> um, there's some rigidity with that. But you know, I'm I'm rigid in a different way. Um, so yeah, I would say that. And she's got a she's got a really good sense of humor. Probably because of the intelligence. Intelligent, I find that people who are smart always have a good sense of humor, and that's important. She's yeah, great, because the reason I asked, she was a professional chef too, so she makes incredible food. So I've I've been spoiled for that period of time. With um, I didn't even I didn't know what good food was when I was younger, and she introduced me to great cuisine. And both of us, you know, have really enjoyed having great food and and drinking great wine for a long time. Wonderful. Um, to me, that's really wonderful because that is one of the joys of living on planet Earth. You know, it's just such a a very earthy and tangible joy of being alive. You know, um, so Malin, you just experienced this horrible break on your wrist, right? And I know that um, both of you have. It's been a hard year, so it's not only just been the pandemic you've lost um, a very, very close friend and you've had just other real hard things to deal with this in this period and in, in a very short period of time. And I'm wondering um, what are your go-tos? Like how do you get through um, heartbreak like this? And you know, you've had physical break, Malin, and you both have heartbreak. How do you get through that? I think um, by not avoiding it, for me, <clears throat> by not avoiding it, um, I feel very fortunate because I have the the time to uh, I have the time to be able to to examine these things and face them. You know, it's really hard when you got a full time job to to cry all day, you know, or just be miserable. Um, and if you have the time or the opportunity and you give yourself the time to, to mourn, um, that makes a big difference. It really helps. 
uh, and it's, it's, my, my dog is whining. Um, it's really important. It's really important to heal, to be able to heal. Um, you really need to give yourself time to, to feel what you're feeling and not, um, you know, it's a cliche, but not judge it, not beat yourself up, but just experience it and, and see what happens. Cause it always changes, you know, like you're not always going to be miserable. Uh, it, it changes on a moment to moment basis for all of us. Our feelings are changing all the time. So if you just realize that, that if you're, you take all that in, something else is going to come along eventually. So, but if you, shield it off, you wall it off, then, then you have real problems. Before I get to Malin, I just have to say, it's interesting that your dog, when you started talking about this feeling and Ranger started whining. He understands everything that we say and he comments on it. He does, he's close to his dinner time. Uh, <laughs> he's like, enough, feed me. <laughs> what about you, Malin? Um, so talking to my friends and my family, talking to you, uh, that helps. Talking to Peter. Um, I kind of sometimes miss the job for that because I could avoid it by throwing myself yep. into yep. the job. Uh, you know, we, we also lost our, our beloved cat of 15 years. This Within two weeks, my best friend and the cat. It was just... And um, <laughs> um, meditation uh helps um it's just hard though it's ultimately it's hard it's hard exercise exercise is critical crucial and, yeah. and you know that's i've got a sprained ankle in addition to broken so it's kind of hard right now right to exercise but getting those endorphins going is really critical nature nature is really a healer to me um so, yeah yeah do you have any um like daily rituals, are there things that you do every day, no matter what, by and large? Yes, every day. What are they? Um, well, I used to make, I, I was very passionate about making fine tea for decades. And we event, we gave up caffeine about a year ago. And so we started making uh, decaf. And so the morning ritual is grinding the beans, making decaf. Um, and then, uh, you know, for me, I got, I have to go outside for at least an hour, be outside looking at different things. And then I have an exercise routine and then, uh, and then of course, reading and, and writing, meditating. Um, that's basically like those things have to happen in a day. I have a long list. You. <laughs> you do? You have a long list? Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> I liked, well, right up until the break, Peter won't let me out right now because it's too icy. We, um, we're surrounded by ice and will be until March. But normally I, I walk part of his hike with him. Ranger and I walk part of his hike with him. Um, then I, I come back, I do some Italian, I read, I write, I draw a little. I, I took a um, botanical watercolor class. So I'm still working on that. I, I'm teaching myself the guitar. Um, what else is on my list? Do a little yoga. I work out. Um, I cook. Uh, there's a whole list of, I, I think that's about the basics of it though. What is a perfect day for you guys? Might be uh, different for both of you. 
I think a really good long hike with a good meal afterwards is, is uh, a perfect day for me. Yeah, I think too, because we're both, um, we're both so wedded to our routines. There are days that we have when we just say, let's not do all those things and let's just be with each other. And those, those are great days. Yeah. Um, what about things that have inspired you? Is there, you know, a book that has made a real profound impact or a book that you've recently read that has really impacted you? Yeah. Where'd you go? I've got to think. About well, I've been on this like philosophy kick and history. I mean, I've always, always read history. Um, I'm not too much of a novel reader these days. Um, but uh, two books, The Words That Made Us, which is by a Yale law professor who's also a political scientist, which is really the story of the Constitution. It's a huge book. It's like 800 pages long, but he's, he's really funny. Um, you know, he's brilliant. And it just essentially discusses, because, you know, with what we've all been going through for the past several years, um, it's just been become more and more important to me to understand as best I can what is our system of government and, and how, did, how did it develop and where's it going? And he really does a good job of, um, you know, starting at the beginning and essentially the constitution is a discussion. It's an ongoing discussion. And as soon as that discussion ends, you know, a liberal democracy ends. So this is fascinating. So that's one. The other one is the medical metaphysical club, which is by uh, Louis Menand. And I, you know, I might've gotten it from your two father, your, your dad, John, uh, or, I, or I bought it like, I think it came out in like 2002 and it, it kind of it parallels it dovetails into it because it's really about um, the story of the development of philosophy in America and how that dovetailed into the development of um, college and a, and, a, and a liberal arts education and like you know in, during the 1800s they had to really figure out like okay well what do you do at a college like what do you teach people what are we going to focus on and it also led to, um, you know, philosophy led to psychology and sociology in this country. Um, so it's, it's fascinating because it's about the development of American thinking. Oh my gosh, interesting. Oh, it's fascinating. Um, this guy's brilliant. Uh, so those are, those are two that I'm, I'm chewing on right now. Um, I'm almost finished the metaphysical club and the, the other one I'm like 400 pages in so I've got a bit more to go on the yeah that's interesting Peter because what you're reminding me is you know we about the creation of so many things that we just accept like this is the system and right. so many people protect and defend it at all costs without thinking about how it originated that's really interesting yeah. Yeah, it's like anything else, you know, it's, 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 it's people, it's interactions between people making these decisions and deciding like what is important and what isn't. And of course, politics has always played a role, you know, from the beginning of us as a, as a species, um, sure. you know, and that, that shapes all of this. So it's just fascinating. It's really, it also makes me think more and more about the field of sociology and sociology is fascinating field because it really encompasses all of these things. It's culture, it's philosophy, um, you know, history, 
uh, and psychology all kind of put put into one bundle. What about you, Melan? So um, <clears throat> there's two that I think in uh, recent years that have been, been inspirational. The Secret Life of Trees, which I can't remember the author right now. It's a German guy who studies trees and and um, and talks about how trees communicate subterraneously and um, it, it just it, to me it just opened my eyes about the forest and uh, made made the trees more live and more more of a presence to me a conscious oh. presence um, and then Dad gave us I'm not sure if he gave you a copy but gave us a copy of Eknath Eswaran's um, the daily meditations and you know I, we started reading it last year again we, the fir we first started it in like the late yeah, 80s or so whenever 90s, yeah, yeah whenever he gave it to us and started reading again last year and i find it very i do find that very inspirational it keeps me present it, it reminds me of the interconnectedness of everything and to be kind and good and it's so weird that you just brought him up because i was just um i don't know a couple of days ago talking with a person who's starting up a business and I kind of referenced Eknath Iswaran and she asked me about it and I said oh he's just this guy my dad had each one of us read <laughs> <laughs> and she actually emailed me and said I went and got the book based upon and the book that I was referencing was the book dad gave me a book called Conquest of Mind yeah, he gave that mm -hmm. one too. Yeah. Right. And he gave that to David. And I remember at that time he was saying, you know, he, he gave it to me with a thought of we create our thoughts, you know, we, we shape our thinking. And it was just a way of sharing that, I guess, with his kids that we create so much mentally um, and we can control what we think. And, you know, so many people think, when you're filled with resentment or rage or whatever it is that is a strong feeling, they equate that with a thought. Mm. Um, because I'm feeling this, it's a thought because it's a thought, it must be right, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's weird that you brought that up because I was just speaking about that with somebody. Very impactful. Um, what about if, if I said to you guys, okay, there's no pandemic, it's mm. off, no holds barred. You can go anywhere you want for a week in the world. Somebody would take care of Ranger. Somebody would take care of Ranger and he would be protected and, and have a great time. Your house would be taken care of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. For, well, we have a week, so that, that definitely yeah. narrows the field. I think it's what we're going to do, which is we're going to, well, for me, um, go out to Wyoming where I have family. Uh, so my family, a lot of my family's from, um, and there's stuff that we need to do out there. Um, and also it's just, I have a connection to that, that area that uh, is very important for me to get in touch with again. So for a week, I'd do that. I mean, if you're talking months, then it would be Asia, all over Asia. 
Well, I, I, lo I love, I do love Wyoming. I love it out there, but I think I would like to do like a tour of the Hebrides. You think in a week? Well, fly, it'll be, it would be five days, Yeah. you know. Yeah, Scotland is on the list too. I'll give you 10 days. <laughs> Ten days ago to do the Hebrides. You know, I'm feeling generous. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. We'll do the Hebrides then. Steve, we can okay. get you up to two weeks. And then we'll yeah. do something And else. um do you have a quote or anything that you love or a mantra or something that you kind of repeat to yourself? Or that you reflect back upon. Well, I have all dads. Can't mean can't mean small. Yeah, table. <laughs> I remember one time, Melinda, you were talking about some challenge that you were having professionally, and I said, "Oh, you can't fix this," and you said, "Can't means won't." <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "Yeah, except in this, I think it means can't," you know. But it's funny. Well, we had a we had a yoga instructor. I don't know, was it, uh, twelve years ago, um, who used to say, "Be kind, be patient, be aware," and I oh. use that a lot. Oh, that's nice. Then the the one, I mean, E.O. Wilson just died, but the one that I love that he said that I use pull out all the time when I look at what's going on in the world that we have the humans have Paleolithic minds, um, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. Oh, that's interesting. I, I just love that because it just yeah. encompasses everything. It's like, oh, this is why we're in the situation we're in. Yeah. Wow. So finally, um, what do you wish that others knew or would do? If you could say, okay, everybody, listen, I just have to tell you something. What do you think it would be? Be kind, be patient, be aware. That's good, yeah. Ranger's trying to chime in. You can feed hear me. Him. Ranger's saying, <laughs> feed me. <laughs> I, I mean, I just have this, this um, <laughs> other than uh, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, I think it would be great if everybody could go up into space and look at the earth and see how tiny it is in relation to the universe. And that might change a lot of things, but you know, that's, that's a dream, but I wish that that would happen. Yeah. Starting with me. I want to go. Yeah. yeah. You do? Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. I think it would just be so profound. Well, take a picture and show it to me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a podcast from there. Perfect. You guys, thank you so much. I can't thank you not only for doing this, but for being so supportive of the podcast in general. So helpful to me. You're such great guides, um, giving me so much, so much great feedback and insight. And I really, really appreciate it. Thank we you. Yes, we love you. We love yeah. you. We love your podcast. Thank yeah. you. The end. Go feed Ranger. <laughs> Safe me. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. Hey, thanks for listening. Giant thank you goes out to show advisor Roseanne Griffiths, the talented musician Bill Aronson, 
who wrote, produced, performed the Soulful Connections theme song. And a thank you goes out to Brad Sanders for creating the Soulful Connections logo. Love it. That's new this year. So much gratitude to these guys and to my friends and family who continue to listen and guide me. And once again, to you for listening. I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at soulfullife at gmail.com. That's S-O-L-F-U-L-L-I-F-E at gmail.com.